Welcome to the Start With Art podcast, uh, where we interviewed Curtis Zachary this time and talked on an amazing topic we all need, which is rest. Rest. Let's talk about rest for a second. You know what, Brad? I love naps. <laughs> I know. Like five-minute five naps, 10-minute naps, 30-minute. Um, sometimes I prefer naps over a full night of sleep, just that emotion that comes with a nap. But what that speaks to me is the fact that I really like rest. Um, I enjoy Sundays because that's like a day my family and I just do try to really try to do nothing. Um, and the most I'll do is maybe grill a burger or something, you know. Um, but I just love rest and, and because it gives me strength to be that much more effective in things ahead. And I really think that's what we found in our interview with uh, Curtis Zachary, who's an author of a book uh, called Soul Rest, which I'm super intrigued by because he talks more than just taking a nap, you know, or having a good night's sleep. But he's going into the deep part of our souls, um, that heart rest. And that really triggers us being um, all about the heart because we want to know how we can lead from a position of rest or how we can speak from a position of rest or how we can, you know, touch the world around us from a position of rest. And being at rest doesn't mean you're lazy. Being at rest just um, has an amazing way of actually giving you the strength you need to operate at your fullest potential. So, yeah, I, I'm really, really stoked on this interview we had with him. It comes from a pastoral perspective um, gives great insight, heart stuff, soul stuff. And it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. So, yeah, I thought that, uh, you know, knowing CZ for a while now, I think that, you know, just knowing him and what he's been about and his journey to get this message out into the world has just been really amazing to watch. I'm so glad he came on the podcast to share it with us. I think, you know, as myself and I know both of us have three little boys and, you know, we need rest. Yeah. Lots of it. And, you know, so running, our wives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, being the CEO and traveling a lot and doing yeah. a lot of things that I need to do on a day to day basis. Um, he really kind of hit me in the mouth when it's mm. kind of like, you know what, you, you need to rest, man, because you're right. going to be a lot better for yourself, your people um, and everybody around you. And I think that he gives some really tangible things to walk away with. Mm -hmm. Um, it comes from, you know, an amazing place of where he, he found his rest. And that's I right. think that that's something that we all, um, we all need to pay attention to. And that's why we, we brought him on this podcast and, mm -hmm. um, we really believe that, uh, you'll enjoy this one. So enjoy this, uh, this podcast brought to you by the collective global. Welcome to the Start With Heart podcast, hosted by uh, The Collective. My name is Brad Stinson, my co-host, Danny Williamson. What's Awesome. And uh, we are excited to have Curtis Zachary, or who like we like to call CZ, with us today, who's a husband, father, speaker, pastor, writer, flatbill-wearing sneakerhead, who we like to call our friend, <laughs> CZ. Yes. That is the greatest introduction I've ever heard in my life. Yes. All right. Well, good. Yes. All right. So uh, to start with, uh, with this podcast, um, when we say start with heart, what's the first thing that comes to your mind and why? Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful name for a podcast, uh, number one. So kudos on that. Uh, two, I think what immediately comes to, to mind for me is really starting from the center of things, like starting from the middle. And I can see so many different kind of 
images in my own brain when it comes to that idea. And starting with the heart is really just kind of like, what's the essence? What's the why behind everything? And I've really been asking those questions myself a lot in my own journey, uh, in our own family, um, in life. And vocation, you know, the why is so important. And to start with the heart is really to understand exactly the essence, the motivations, the ethos, what makes up the composition of what something is. And so uh, it can go in a lot of different directions. But for me personally, it's really just the why behind the what, the the essence of of what something is. Mm -hmm. Thank you, man. That's great. That's good. So CZ, um, you recently wrote a book released in June, I believe, uh, called Soul Rest. And yeah. so it'd be great if you could share a little bit of a backstory to that, why you wrote it, um, and kind of what initiated your heart to bring um, attention to this. Yeah, I, I never really set out to write a book uh, in order to be an author by vocation. It wasn't really something that I had a, a great bit of aspiration toward. I'm, I'm a creative, so writing is definitely something that's a part of my life and my story um, as an expression. But uh, even starting out to write this particular book, it really was rooted in my own journey to uh, document things that I had walked through in my own situation. And uh, the book is called Soul Rest because I felt like God was inviting me into the investigation to figure out what that meant for my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my wife and I had moved to the Bay Area, uh, a city called Richmond, California, uh, which really was um, uh, an interesting time for us. We were kind of just saying yes to the next right thing. We were trying to figure out what it meant to honor and serve God with our life, with our vocation, with our gifts. And we had moved to serve a small church plant in an under-resourced area. And it was a completely different thing for us, and we had never really been a part of something like that. And during that time, I think one of the most overwhelming realities that I had bumped into was uh, I was attempting uh, in my life to do a lot of good things uh, for people and and ultimately for God. Uh, But in my working and, and straining and striving to keep that up, started to realize that there was a fatigue that was growing within me that was a little bit deeper than just like a vacation or some time off. It was kind of like a deep tired that I didn't know how to remedy. And it started to concern me because I'd only been there for about a year and I was already starting to realize I I don't know how to sustainably keep this up, doing all the things that we were doing, which was all good work. We were helping homeless friends find places to live. We were helping people walk through recovery situations. And so all the things that we were doing were good things. But I just knew uh, so much of what I was doing was really formed out of my own ability and my own kind of willpower to keep it going. And and that was getting exhausting. I I didn't know how to figure out ways to sustainably keep that going. So there was this growing tension within me of, of that reality being true. And at the same time, my wife and I were hopeful about having a family. And uh, we had been married for about five years at the time, and we were really excited about the prospect of having kids. And I I remember when my wife told me she was pregnant, and and we were overjoyed and nervous and excited and terrified. You know, it's all the feelings. And uh, just a couple of days after we found out we were pregnant at our first doctor's appointment, they let us know that we'd lost the pregnancy. And that Mm -hmm. that was devastating. You know, it was one of those things that you can't really prepare for. Hadn't really had a lot of conversations around it. Um, 
we were still hopeful to have a family, but then uh, at the same time, very cautious and, and very nervous about it. We became pregnant again uh, about six months later. Uh, we carried further into our pregnancy the second time, but again, experienced loss. And, and the second time was really physically and emotionally taxing on us in ways that we couldn't have ever anticipated. And so uh, I think the tension of uh, the, the wrestle with trying to figure out my identity, uh, how and and why I would live out the way that I was living, uh, that coupled with experiencing loss was just kind of too much to bear. And I think the third factor in that was that we really felt like we were alone. You know, we yeah. felt like we we felt lonely and on an island in it. We had people around us. It wasn't an issue of a de- deficiency of, of relationship, but I think it was just the substantive connection to the belief that that we were in it with other people experiencing what we were experiencing. So mm. that's a really long way uh, of laying out kind of the foundation for me getting to a point where at the three of those things intersecting, I realized I can't go on living like this and something needs to change. And I kind of prayed a prayer to God and asked him, what is the thing that you would have for me through tears? And, and he uh, just kind of spoke to my heart and said, you need rest for your soul. And I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't know what that looked like and kind of set me on a journey uh, for about a year long process of uh, introspection and soul care, self-care, counseling, conversations, running, crying, just mm-hmm. all of it. And uh, what resulted was a beautiful reformation of my life. And then uh, that kind of resulted in what I wrote in that book. Mm. Amazing. I wanted to ask, because I'm about third of the way through reading and everything right sure. now. And one of the things that struck me that I think Danny and I were talking about it is that phrase where he said, it's okay not to be okay. Can you just talk about that just a little bit? Because I think that we try to put on fronts when we're men or even women or whatever in the world, whatever. But like just that whole, it's okay not to be okay, you know, and and just if you can expand on that a little bit, because I think that the listeners would love to hear that because I think that's just something that we need to understand. Yeah, I know for me, uh, when I was walking through a season of of loss and grief and um, just trying to process what what was happening around us and and in us and to us. Um, So many of my impulses were to move to a place where I would just kind of move past it, you know, just say, let me just keep going. I would even quote to myself verses from the Bible, you know, God works everything together for the good of those who love him. Like he's going to do something with this. He's working something out, even in ways that I can't see. Um, and so that was true. I knew all of those things that I had read and, and were written and were even being quoted to me were true. But I think the problem with it is sometimes I can move past where I currently am with the hope that things will change and get better without ever really realizing what I'm actually feeling right now. And so I remember I had a friend who said to me uh, on the phone during that season, hey, you know, it's OK to not be OK And at first I kind of said, yeah, I know, I know that that's true. And he just repeated it again and said, hey, listen, it's okay Mm -hmm. to not be okay. And and I think on the second pass of saying that to me, it helped me to realize my impulse, my my desire was to try to figure it out myself, like just try to uh, walk and will myself through the difficulty of the painful situation. And what he was trying to communicate to me, and I think what ultimately God was saying to me through him was, 
you need to sit for a minute and understand what it is that you're actually feeling, what you're experiencing in your pain. Uh, not so that it can define who you are, not so that it can overcome your situation, but simply because uh, I needed to understand what it was specifically I was asking God to enter into and to heal. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted me to look fully at the thing that I was feeling rather than trying to justify it or Mm -hmm. explain it away. He was saying, no, 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 understand that you are in a hurting place. Understand why you're hurting. Then invite me into that space. So, It's okay to not be okay, I think, is an important thing for us to know as people because we try to just move past it. The other thing I would say, though, is I'm so thankful that that person said it's okay to not be okay. But I wish someone would have said, and I'm thankful that the Spirit of God kind of entered in because it's okay to not be okay, but whether you believe it or not, there's a living hope in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the thing that I needed to hear as long, uh, on, alongside of that. Because, you know, it's okay to not be okay, but that can also become a definition for who you are moving forward. Like, I know a lot of people who have been trying to put on a front in their life around spirituality or, like, the type of person that they am, and they finally feel a freedom connected to acknowledging, okay, like, I got junk going on, I got stuff in my life, and it's okay to not be okay. So now that becomes the definition of who I am. And so I'm kind of, like, you know, living in this space where nothing is good. It's all just kind of like, you know, I'm okay to be free inside of my misery almost, you know? But that's not what God desires for us. I think God desires for us to find a hopefulness connected to him. But I think the beauty of what we see in the example of the scriptures is there are times where there's the admission that I'm not okay right now. But even those people are acknowledging, yeah, there's a living God. I don't know how I feel about him right now. I don't know how I feel about the the belief that this can actually happen for me. But I do believe that my aspiration is completely and solely founded in the hope that if that's not true, that there's a living God, then I don't know where else to turn. And so what I've found is it's really helpful in these conversations to say, yeah, it's okay to not be okay. So own and and lean into the spaces that are hurting and broken. But whether you believe it or not right now, like you need to know that there's a living hope in Jesus. And For myself, I know that there have been times where it's like, you know, I just don't know how I feel about this right now. I don't know that this is true to me right now. And I see examples of David in the Bible talking about, you know, in Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me forever? How long must my enemy triumph over me? Answer me, O Lord, right? This This is scripture. This is in the Bible. So he, in that, was wrestling with the reality of his own belief about about what God was going to do for him. So he was admitting he was not okay. (laughs) But even as you look at the rest of that psalm, you see that there's this, this aspiration that God would do something. But also, I love how he finishes that particular psalm because he says... Um, and in the past, you've dealt bountifully with me. So he's like going, hey, in the past, you did some stuff. And it's only because of that that I'm going to give you the benefit of that. I don't believe it right now, <laughs> but because you did some stuff in the past. like, And so I say all that to say uh, that's why it's important for us, I think, in our life together to, to admit that it's OK to not be OK. But we don't want to stay there. We don't want to stay stuck there. We want to ask God in his work, by his power to pull us out. That's great. That's great. Now, in regards to this whole idea of soul rest, because I know when when I heard about your book coming out and talking to you about it, and, and even when I bought it, it was just like, just that topic alone, like soul rest. One, I felt like I need that. And 
But with that, um, I'm sure you've run across some misunderstandings when people hear rest or even soul rest. So what are some of those misunderstandings or myths maybe that, that come along with that? Yeah. Well, I think anytime you see or hear the word rest, it becomes an either or prospect. Um, some people believe, you know, if you're going to rest, then that means you're entering into a space that's devoid of work. So it's either work or rest. And for us in our culture, the idea of being absent of work is just ridiculous, yeah. you know, because we're in a fast paced culture. There's a lot of stuff going on in our lives. And so the thought that there would be a time where you could enter into uninterrupted rest, this deep rest is almost this unrealistic prospect because, man, I got a lot of stuff to do, whether it's at my job or the things that are expected of me or I have a family, I have kids, I have stuff going on. So it's not like I could just tap out of life and now yeah. all of a sudden just go into this space of rest. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that uh, rest only comes apart from work. Uh, I think that the idea of soul rest is really that we would find rest inside of our work because mm-hmm. rest uh, that we're talking about is not simply just physical. It's also not just a break. It's not just vacation. It's not just time off. The rest that we're talking about is a deep and soulish contentment. You know, I think that that's kind of the idea that God was putting forward from the beginning. Like God created humanity with the purpose that they would be soulishly, that they would be completely satisfied in him. That's how he made humanity from the beginning. And we know the greatest problem in all the Bible, sin, in Genesis 3, separates what God had intended for humanity to experience. So from that moment, all of humanity is groaning and longing to be restored back to that contentment that comes in a connection with God, the God who created us for that. In Ecclesiastes 3, there's a verse that says that God set eternity in the hearts of men. And what he's saying in that is when we were made, we were made with an innate awareness of God an innate longing for God. So it's this soulish longing, right? It's this hole in our hearts, so to speak, that can only be filled by God. And what we know to be true is we try to fill that longing with things that are not eternal, fill an eternal longing with things that are temporary, and that will never work. And so what I realized is God intended for humanity to have this deep soulish contentment, this rest that they're foundation, their very essence would be satisfied by God alone. And the misconception would be, oh, well, we can only find rest when we stop working. Well, there's a a Psalm 127, and it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen watch in vain. Um, That verse to me, I feel like really typifies what we can benefit from, especially in a culture like 2018 in America, because what it's essentially saying is there is the great builder. There's like the general contractor, right? This is God who's watching over everything. But the thing that you see in that verse is we continue to work. They're still working. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. So there's still laborers. But what he's saying is we can build and build for our own purposes. If we're not building for God, then that's when we find ourselves striving and straining and it's empty. Mm. Uh, Same thing about watching over the city. I love that. I think about parenting a lot when I read that verse because it's like, 
we parent and we watch over our little city. And if we're doing that in our own building, our own kingdom, and not really heeding that there's a great watchman, we're kind of doing that in vain. And then he goes on to say in that psalm, early you rise and late you go to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. So basically what he's saying is you can get up early, do hard work, go to bed late, do hard work. But if you're doing it for your own purposes, your only reward is the bread of anxious toil. That's all you're getting. You're not even being satisfied. But then there's a semicolon right after that. And it says, but he gives to his beloved rest. That's his desire. So the great misconception that I run into is that rest only comes apart from work and that our hope is abandon work, forget about work, go live in this weird monk-like state, right? And just do, you know, but really what God is trying to get after is there's a deep soulish contentment and that rest can come while we're working. Yeah. Yeah. That's very good. Very good. So on this, you know, and what we've, you know, talked about many times and stuff, I want to know what makes your heart beat the most about this? Like this, this top, what, like what makes your heart man that just makes you go you know like what's that look like yeah I think it's pretty easy for me I I feel like the aspiration toward the idea that people would find rest in their own lives in their own daily and uh, family rhythms is just such a beautiful prospect to me because you know I think what I've realized in my study of all this giving my life and my time to studying on these ideas is For me, I just see how it all kind of funnels down into the same idea. And for me personally, I believe it centers on the story of the gospel. I feel like all that we're talking about is this deep soulish longing that can only find deep soulish contentment in what I believe to be the finished work of Jesus. And it's through the finished work of Jesus that our striving, our straining, our working to find righteousness and goodness on earth Uh, It becomes satisfied, not by what we could do, but by what he's already done. And so inviting people into that story, inviting people into the opportunity to understand that that's available to us on earth is a game changer. It just it it makes me stay up at night thinking about what that could mean for people who are feeling uh, dry and tired and lonely or hopeless. You know, I feel like the resolution is the same for all of us. So to help us to find rest is really what makes my heart beat. You know, I think about my own story, and there was a quote uh, by a guy named Soren Kierkegaard, and he says, it is absolutely unethical when one becomes so busy communicating that he forgets to be what he teaches. And for me, I think about my own life and how so much of what I've done, so many things that I've formed out in my ideas and my practice and my building and my making and my doing uh, was really even motivated and predicated by the idea of doing it for God. But the problem is, I know what it means to live for God and yet not experience God in the midst of living for God, right? Like I know what it means to do a bunch of Jesus stuff in the name of Jesus, but not be experiencing connection with Jesus myself. Mm-hmm. And so what makes my heart beat is the thought that People who are a part of churches or working at churches or serving in ministry or people who have never been in a church before who are longing for some sense of hope to realize that the resolution is the exact same thing, that the resolution is at the foot of the cross and the finished work of Jesus, that rest comes from the realization that we don't need to carry our own righteousness on our own shoulders. And what's so amazing about that message is, 
You have somebody who maybe doesn't know who Jesus is or care about church or anything like that, but they feel like the definition of who they are as a good person is really predicated by their own actions, their own effort, their own life, right? Somebody inside of church could be feeling the exact same thing. You can be a follower of Jesus and still feel like every bit of your life is determined by how many good things you do, how much church you attend, how many times you read the Bible. And what we're realizing is all of those things are good things. And we can do good things even outside the realm of the church or following Jesus. But it's only in Christ that we find true significance, true substance. So that's what makes my heart beat, just inviting people into the opportunity to hear that story and to know that there's life there, there's rest uh, at the foot of the cross. Absolutely. I can tell, man. That yeah. was coming out right there. <laughs> there it is. So what makes your heart break? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's so many things that come to mind as soon as you say that. Um, I think the first one is really kind of in direct uh, juxtaposition to what I just said. You know, in the book of Galatians, Paul is talking to a group of people and he is sharing with them the importance of understand this marriage or this connection between the law that had been established and what was right to follow God and how you found righteousness in your life. And then this idea of grace that came from the work of Jesus on the cross. And he goes back and forth talking to these people in this letter that he wrote in the Bible to this crew that are trying to figure out how to honor and live for God. And what he was realizing is they'd heard the message that we just talked about, that that in Christ there is finished work, there is grace, there's life, there's flourishing, right? But then after hearing that message, this group of people, once he kind of goes away from them, says, all right, yeah, yeah, that's cool that Jesus did all that stuff. But now we got to determine and establish and work to say who's in, who's out, who's right, who's wrong. Our work determines how righteous we really are. And he kind of comes back to them and says, wait a minute. No, no, no. It's through Jesus that we find significance and worth and value and identity, not through your work. And they're going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, let's let me just show you how much I can do and who needs to do what and what kind of rules you need to follow. And I think you see Paul in Galatians displaying on paper his broken heart for these people because what he sees is them missing the opportunity to fully live on earth. And I think that that's really been increasingly growing as an issue of heartbreak for me. It's the thought that we could be in church attempting to follow and honor God uh, with our lives, with our worship, with the things that we do, with our participation. And yet while we're doing all of those things, it could be lifeless. It could be dry. We could be tired. We can be hopeless, though we know these things are good and important. And maybe it's not even a positional issue with God. Maybe we're okay with God as far as like our uh, later on after we die kind of standing. But what God continually says through his scripture is that we can be fully alive here on earth. You know, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. John eight thirty six. he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Paul, in that book, Galatians, we were talking about, says it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm and don't return to slavery, right? So he's talking about there's this freedom that's available. And so it breaks my heart when we have allowed ourselves in our, our pursuit of following Jesus 
to, to let it become mundane and dry and something that's lifeless. And it breaks my heart, not because it's something we need to be doing, but it breaks my heart because I'm, I'm saying, man, there's a taste and see kind of thing happening. Like if we could understand how this could change our lives, our families, our situations. Uh, the other thing that I think breaks my heart and comes to my mind is just injustice in the world. You know, I think, um, you know, righteousness and justice uh, throughout the scriptures are completely intertwined. They are absolutely connected. You see that vividly in the Old Testament, but as you move into the New Testament, those words are actually kind of melded together uh, when you read the scriptures, righteousness and justice. And so when we look into our world and we see issues of injustice, it should break our hearts as people to see that people are being wronged and hurt and broken in a societal structure that uh, sometimes uh, doesn't do well to serve specific areas and, and groups of people. And so I think one of the things that's true for all of us is uh, we have discontent in our hearts, like a, like a righteous or a holy discontent that we look at and go, man, that's not the way it should be. I want to contend for what is right. And I think uh, injustice in, in various ways is one of those things that breaks my heart uh, when I think about it. Awesome. It's crazy. I read Galatians 5 and 6 this morning. Hey, come on. It's almost like God knows what he's doing. <laughs> crazy. How great. about that? Like, no joke. That was <laughs> my thing. I can show you a text. Um, and then with all this and all this is stirring everything, like, what difference do you want to make in the world? With this that's been put on your heart, what you're doing, like, what difference do you want to make with this and moving forward? Like, what's that look like? Yeah, if I could really kind of make it as simple as possible. I really want people to feel seen, heard, known, and loved. Uh, I want people to feel seen in their in their various situations, in their respective stories. Um, I think one of the things that I've experienced, and I think we all experience at times, is we feel as though we're alone in our own journey. We're alone in our process, and that looks different for different people. But I just know it feels so incredible to know that you are seen, like to, to feel seen, like you are not by yourself. You're not just wandering the earth, meandering around, but you are seen not only by other people, but more importantly, by God. So I want people to feel seen, uh, to feel known, you know, that their story matters, like what's happening in their life actually matters. That's really important to me. Uh, heard is really important because uh, I just think about how listening is in short supply in our world. We're not a listening culture. We, we like to talk. Um, it's really even the increase of popularity of podcasts. You know, it's like what we're doing right now. It's like we like to talk. And, but, but when it comes to an actual conversation, uh, I realize in my own life, I, I want to grow as a listener. And the reason I want to grow as a listener is because I know what it feels like to actually be heard in my situation. And so I want to try to introduce that into people's lives, that, that they would feel heard and loved. Uh, obvious one for me, but I just feel like if we could feel loved and know that we are loved, it could change the way that we live here on earth. I think about so many friends uh, that I've known that have experienced uh, major kind of moral failures, some of them on a national scale. I think about uh, people who uh, just even recently, I just attended uh, a couple days ago, a, a friend of mine's father committed suicide. And, um, you know, I just know of stories of uh, pastors and, and friends who who have who've done the same thing or, or gotten close to doing the same thing. And 
And so much of the story interwoven into that is this lack of awareness of, of, of knowing and understanding that they are loved, you know? And uh, I don't mean to be reductionistic in that. It's not to try to minimize, but uh, I just know for myself, the idea of feeling loved inside of my own situation is such a hope of, of just all of those things coming together, seen, heard, known, you know, all those things is really just kind of compiling into one, one place. So that's really what I want to do. I want to do everything I can to serve other people, invite people into the story of God so that they would experience and know those things. Awesome. So transitioning here a little bit, we're going to do uh, a, uh, we're going to show some, some photos. And with that, uh, you know how people say, you know, it's the first thing that comes to your mind when you see a photo. I don't, I want you to, ski, well, you can process that, but then I want to know what's the first thing that comes to your heart. Okay. So as you think about it, you know, if it needs to go through and get all the way there, then that's, that's fine. Okay. So uh, first one here is uh, sort of old, uh, Bibles, Bibles, uh, pictures, books. So uh, what do you see? Yeah. What do you think there? What's the heart say? So, yeah, looking at that particular picture, I just think about just literature, literary art. Um, uh, seeing the age of the books, it's like stories that transcend uh, my lifetime. You know, they were years past. Um, I'm just thankful that people have given of their life in their own story uh, for the formation of where I am right now. And I'm so thankful for the way that literature and and art has affected my life deeply. So when I look at that, it just kind of moves me because I think about how important uh, works of art and writing have been in my own story and forming who I am as a person. So yeah, it's I'm thankful. I'm really grateful for those. Awesome. Next picture uh, is a cup oh, of coffee, yeah. which uh, we know that uh, Mr. Cheesy <laughs> likes important. his coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think the first thing that comes to my heart uh, when I see coffee is connection. Um, I just love a shared table. Uh, there's something about sitting across from one another and sharing a cup. Um, there's just meaning, depth, purpose to those to those moments. I think about the conversations I've had over a cup of coffee. I, I think about tears that have been shed over a cup of coffee. Um, just uh, hope that has been established over a cup of coffee, you know? So it's, it's really a deep thing to me as much as I dig coffee, coffee shops and trying new things connected to coffee. I, I do really feel like it is a heart thing for me. It's really important as a part of my life. That's awesome. Awesome. Great. Next one is a picture of a microphone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think when I, I look at that picture, I just see the potential uh, for the chance to open the word with people and invite people into the story of God. Um, man, what a privilege to be amplified in front of a group of people, no matter whatever size it is. Um uh, I love even that picture right there is so um, ambiguous in that you see the microphone, but you don't know how big the room is that yeah, the yeah. microphone is in front of. And so I think that there's significance to that in my own life. When I talk about what brings me passion, you know, communicating and sharing the truth of God on one of those is important to me. Uh, but the number of people who are receiving that message uh isn't really as important. <laughs> it's just kind of what's happening. And so when I see that microphone, I just see a chance 
to be amplified um, to to invite people into the story of God, and it, it becomes just very sobering. It's a challenge to look at that and know that it's important to steward uh, that microphone, <laughs> to not just flippantly and uh, frivolously approach that microphone, but to take great care anytime it's in front of you. Absolutely. And like I said, I've sat in that crowd when you've had that microphone. And Me too. Massively. Mm. I think we both have been Absolutely. massively moved yeah. by all yeah. the stuff that you've said to us many times. So Wow. Uh, <laughs> picture of the one, the wife. Yeah. I just think of grace. Um, I can't believe that she married me. <laughs> wow. This is unbelievable. So just grace. It's God's grace. Um, in one picture, she's just, uh, everything on earth for me. And, um, I'm so grateful that God has allowed her to be a part of my life. And, you know, we were just talking this morning and just thinking about how much, We've grown uh, together and individually, and it's just, man, God's grace just continually on display uh, in our lives. So I'm just, I'm thankful. I look at that picture. I can't believe it. It's bananas. (laughs) Awesome. And the final one. Oh, man. The children's. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's a continuation of that same thing. You know, I, I look at Noah, my firstborn, and just what a picture of uh, relief uh, comes to my mind. You know, we experienced loss and never knew if we'd be able to carry full term uh, in pregnancy. And to have Noah was just this grand miracle to us. And we didn't know if we'd have um, any more children. We thought he might be our one. And and we loved him well and, and were uh, fully present with him in the journey. And then God blessed us with, with Micah, uh, our now six-month-old. And you know, I just look at that and I think, man, what what a, a great opportunity to both enter into relationship and steward well these young lives. And man, the privilege and the the sobering responsibility of what it means to be a dad to those boys is just um, is is incredible. So, love, love is probably the easiest way to just sum it all up. Without all, all the talking, we're all dads of dudes. Yeah, there you go. go. Boys, man. There it is. Oh, God, boys. Well, last one's this. I actually, I brought it instead of having a picture of it. Oh, that's when cool. You see this thing? What is it, man? This is. I'm just holding up his book. I'm holding up Soul Rest. When you see this finished, like just here, I'm holding it, man. Yeah, I, I can't believe that that's true. You know, it's. Uh, you know, I, I have such a respect for. Uh, the first picture you showed, you know, of, of those books, you know, I have such respect for literary art and authorship. And I don't flippantly think about the idea of writing a book and just go, man, well, you know, just putting together a book and I'm just going to figure out a way to put it out there. Like it was just such a a sobering and um, challenging idea to have the audacity to allow this work to go out into the world. And uh, when I look at that, I just can't believe that it's true. You know, it was a lot of hard work, um, but it yet it was an expression, I believe, of, of what God was doing in my heart and in my life. Uh, it was a snapshot of a moment in time in life. And so I think about all of the stories and just the the factors that went into the creation of that book. But ultimately, I, I look at it as this element of hope in my own life that maybe I could be uh, a servant to others who are in a similar position that I was in, um, that I wrote about in the book. I'm hopeful that that book can be 
uh, an encouragement and, and a resource to people who are, are looking to find rest. Awesome. Y'all out there need to grab it. Oh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Um, so in your opinion, what is the greatest threat and obstacle um, to people actually finding rest? Yeah, there's a quote by Eugene Peterson, and he says, busyness is the illness of spirit wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, or, an, or an illness of spirit. Yeah. And um, I think that that really is honestly the the biggest obstacle is like we can be so consumed with doing and moving and going that we never stop to consider what it means to find rest. Yeah. It's funny when you think about just the commandment of the Sabbath, you know, in Exodus 28, it says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Um, nobody really thinks a lot about what it means to actually keep the Sabbath holy. Mm-hmm. It says, for six days you shall labor on the seventh day. No one will work. You know, no one in your house, none of, you, none of the people will work for you. Not, like, yeah. it's just supposed to take a break. And what he was getting at, even back then, all the way to 2018, was the Sabbath is significant because when you stop, you can acknowledge that it is only the work of God that is truly significant. The other thing that you realize in Sabbathing and stopping and resting is you get to ask the question, is God enough for me? And usually our answer is no, if we're honest. Uh, I remember when I first went into the season of uh, what I now can articulate as a sabbatical, like just a time of rest, um, I felt like God was saying, you know, I had stepped away from vocational ministry. I had stopped doing a bunch of stuff. Um, I had been volunteering at the local high school, the Boys and Girls Club. I was just, I had a good name in our community. I was helping people, doing all this stuff. And stepping away from that, I felt like God was saying, now that I've taken away all of the things that you're known for, um, will you love and worship me with the same passion? You know, is it still uh, the same for you? And uh, completely and totally honestly, I knew immediately the answer was no, like it wasn't because I'd realized how much of my identity and my value and my worth and even my energy of worshiping God was interwoven in the things that I got to do for God. Wow! And so Sabbath ultimately is God (laughs) asking us, am I enough for you? And I think the reason we have a hard time with Sabbath or stopping or resting and one of those barriers that you're talking about uh, of that happening is because we're afraid of the answer uh, when we do stop and consider. And I'll tell you from my own experience, when stopping and resting, I was confronted with the the true nature of myself. I couldn't Mm -hmm. perform my way through it. I couldn't just do things out of function. But now I have to actually ask the question. You know, just you and I, is it enough? And man, crazily enough, no, it wasn't. And so that was the journey for me. That was the beginning of this whole process. And I think that the barrier for us is, of course, if we're just always going, then we're never stopping, you know? Yeah, and it's key to just to recognize it alone. Right. It is the start of that process right. to find it. Right. But so often we're going so fast, it's like, uh, it's just a big blessing. That's right. I absolutely get it. Absolutely. And to that, like going so fast and, and that is like, what is your greatest fear on this topic? I mean, this is you know, some important stuff. So what's your greatest kind of fear around this? Yeah, I think anytime you, uh, so this goes back to what you were asking, how do I feel when I look at that book? You know, just... You know, our insecurities and our humanity are, are beasts. Mm. 
they rise up and they are fully present at times when unchecked. And I think for me, you know, there's a potential for the fear that uh, it will be an inadequate addressing of the message, you know, that it wouldn't be uh, substantive enough uh, for people to be able to see clearly what I believe to be God's intention for us to find rest. Uh, another fear, like apart from that piece, so that's just like the potential in my own humanity. Uh, I think that the fear that I find uh, with any issue as it pertains to understanding the character and the desire of God is one that I've found in my own life over and over again, which is uh, that I will see it as significant for a time. And even as it's been significant for a moment, it will be important, but then uh, kind of fade from my view and then not be as important. And we find ourselves right back in the rhythm of the things that uh, we've done before. So even as I've, you know, I've had the privilege of opening the word with smaller groups of people, doing some classes and some learning communities around this idea, you know, one of the biggest things that I really try to drive home is this thought that maybe uh, we could continue the conversation not only uh, with each other, but even with ourselves so that we can keep it before us. Because the great fear is that we'll find relief in finding rest and rhythms of the way that we live on earth, but then fall right back into what we've known always as the, the rhythm and the routine of, of life and busyness. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, how about, uh, I'm, I'm sure any listeners are curious, um, how you personally recharge and find that rest mojo if you will yeah like I how love do you that. how do you recharge how do you, what's that number one way you're like this is how i'm tapping into rest on a continual basis yeah so i think the first thing that is so important as a preface isn't really answering your question specifically but i think is vitally important is to give yourself the permission to rest yeah and that may sound like elementary or sure. like a one-on-one kind of thing but i think that's the biggest obstacle that I've found is it's okay to rest. You know, it's okay to take some time to be intentional about finding those rhythms of rest in your own life because it feels like we need to keep going. If we're going to truly show our significance and value as people, or if you would frame it like saying, uh, if I'm going to show my value and worth to God, I need to keep going. I need to keep working. Uh, But I remember God said to me in this process, uh, when you're unable to rest, it's like you're saying, I'm unable to do my work without your help. <laughs> mm. yeah. So you talk about a challenge. <laughs> so wow. that's what I realized. You yeah, know, it's like, yeah. man, I, I, I realized that I think I'm helping God by keeping going. And he's saying, I can do what I need to do. <laughs> yeah. You need to rest, you know. Wow. So. Uh, individually for me, I think it's been a journey and I think it'll continue to be a journey to figure out what, where to find and how to find rest. Um, you know, there's a, a number of things that I even kind of listed out in the book uh, as far as like these restful rhythms that sure. I've begun to practice. Yeah. Uh, some of those are getting out into nature, uh, okay. biblical meditation, you know, prayer, uh, fasting, withholding, you know, generosity. These are all things that I feel like have become a part of intentional thoughts about how to find rest. But I think uh, the the first thing from a practical sense that we do is uh, on Fridays, which is today, we really just kind of set ourselves to uh, life giving and life, uh, life building 
kind of endeavors, you know? So for us, that's, uh, really, this is family day for us. So Fridays are super chill. They, they become, uh, these days that are filled with things that are just so, um, rich and good and, and building up for our family. Um, and that really kind of encompasses about a 24 hour period. We, we kind of, tone down the noise, so to yeah. speak, of what's yeah. going on outside. And we just lean in and focus on each other and talk a lot about who God is and what he's doing in our lives. Uh, the, uh, the other thing was we do on Sundays. Uh, so we work at a church. Sure. Uh, I work at a church. And, and on Sunday afternoons, we do uh, what we call family Sabbath. And so uh, we try to be very intentional to, to contend and fight for that. Um, uh, another kind of very practical thing, which is a bit smaller, but I found to be very important for me, is uh, on a daily basis, I've made this commitment to, before I leave the house, not allow any incoming or outgoing correspondence to happen on my phone or yeah. um, through news, anything. Yes. Like, so now I know yeah. this is a challenging idea for some. For me, uh, it's really uh, kind of developed into something that has been so life-giving, but yeah. I don't take any text messages. I don't check my email. I don't even look at the news. I don't look at websites, anything, because what I've found is it establishes my day uh, from a place of uh, advancing rather than reaction. You know, yeah. I'm kind of moving forward into the day versus responding to all the things that are coming at me. And uh, that two-hour period, you know, if I wake up at 6 and I leave yeah. the house at 8, you yeah. know, it's it seems like a lot, uh, especially to start. But uh, I've found that, you know, the world keeps on moving <laughs> without me having to check uh, my email or whatever. Uh, and so that's been a big thing for me, too. I could talk about these things all day, but those are probably the three things that have become most practically yes. and acutely yeah. restful for us as a family. Uh, I, I can totally... Um speak into that as well if i've same kind of thing like i just i'm not going to look at my phone for the first whether it's the first hour of my day yeah i like how you put it super practical like i'm just gonna do it I'm not gonna do it till i leave the house yeah i mean that's huge yeah that little practical thing right there same with sundays we call it sabbath sundays mm-hmm. you know yeah and, uh, just like but you have like you said you have to fight for it yeah it can't just be this passive flipping thing like, oh, we'll see what we can We're going to try to do that on Sunday. Yeah. It's more like, no, this is protected, meaning that yeah. often means you have to say no to things. Same with that morning protected time. Like, that means I have to say no to turning right. on or checking my emails. So it's huge, man. I love that practical stuff. Yeah, I love it. And I, it's funny because even, you know, on the iPhone recently, they just did an update, which allows you to even regulate your app usage. Like, you can... That's pretty cool. Set timers basically for like the apps that are on your phone. So you could say, I only want to use Apple. Yeah. I mean, it's really incredible. And then there's also like a screen time thing, which basically tells you how much you've used your phone specifically to each app. Um, Yeah. It's really beautiful. And obviously any of those things can become legalistic and just yet another way to work, you know? But I think when you start asking the why behind the what, um, those kinds of tools become super helpful. Wow. It sounds like Apple's getting a hint of rest. Come on. Come on now. (laughs) Somebody send Tim Cook a book, man. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hey man, we're going to get us a couple more personal fun things, fun questions. But, uh, would you rather people not come to your wedding or not go to your funeral? Ah, funeral. Easy. <laughs> I'm a people person, man. I'm, I'm a relationship-centered individual. And 
I'm not going to be at the funeral, so I don't care if you come or not. You know what I'm saying? That's so <laughs> the best dance. That was great. That was great. Yeah, that's easy for me right there. Yeah, but a wedding is I'm going to be there. Yeah. I'm going to be at the wedding. <laughs> it's going down. All right. We call this time joy time. All right? Okay. So these are quick, quick yeah. off-the-cuff answers. Yeah. Favorite cereal? Uh, Golden Grams. Oh, come on now. Yes. I like wow. It. I love Golden Grams. Yeah. Are you a lark or an owl? Owl. Really? Night Owl? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, easy. Come on now. All right, here we go. Math and science or history English? History English. Okay. Take out the history. <laughs> yeah. I, math, because math right there, When I was in college, my motto during math class was D for diploma. So <laughs> that that's how I feel about math right there. And history, I'm not, you know, I, I dig history sure. in a sense, but... Literature, English, that would have been my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Guitar or piano? Uh, Piano. Okay, okay. High five or a hug? Oh, high five. All day. (laughs) But I love to hug, but high five. I'm trying to bring the high five back. I've been been working with you. Come on. I've been trying with you. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's not working, though. (laughs) I paused. This man got 50 high fives in a row at Disney World when we went and took... See, I love that, man. 50 in a row. Nobody denied him. 50 for 50. Now, this is what's crazy. (laughs) So I've been trying. I've been trying to follow suit. And, uh, you know, working at a church, you know, I you have a chance to do announcements, things like that from time to time. And, you know, churches, they have a time where you say, oh, well, you turn and greet your neighbor or whatever. Yeah. So I've been saying, I've been kind of trying to slide it in there. Like, hey, (laughs) give somebody a high five, you know, whatever. Trying to bring the high five. It's not working. (laughs) I don't know if it's something about the setting or what, but they just kind of look at me like, ah, and then they shake hands, right? I love it. All right. European vacation or tropical island getaway? Man, my dream is to go to London. So really? it's got to be European vacation. Right. I've never been. Okay. I, it's a dream. So okay. I got to get there. Good to know. All right. You have five minutes to spare. Text or a phone call? A phone call. Yeah, because I, I feel like I would love to have the conversation yeah. if possible. There you so, go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Love it. Brad, you got any more questions coming up? No, I don't. Okay, I'm, this has been great. My last one. Um, we also want to know, we want listeners to know um, how they can get a hold of you, how they can get your book. Uh, is there a website they can go to? Uh, fill us in what that is. Yeah, I think the easiest way to connect with both me and the book is uh, soulrestbook.com, soulrestbook.com. Yeah, I've I've not really been on social media much lately, so I don't want to promise that I'd be able to connect back with you in case I'm not in there. So soulrestbook.com, you can connect with me, shoot me a message, find out more about the book, kind of what it's all on, and then... You can always find the book on Amazon. It's where okay. most people buy their books anyway. So yeah. uh, soulrestbook.com. Awesome. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Awesome. Totally agree. So last question. You've obviously started with your heart, right? What advice would you give to somebody who wants to start with their heart? Like they just want to do it. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've learned, even in this season, as I've been praying and asking God to lead and guide and direct in my steps is um, for that to happen, you need to just take the next right step. Um, I think that's the best advice I could give anyone who is seeking to quote unquote do anything. You know, I think uh, 
So often, you know, I've been stuck in the place where I've been thinking about what is the the thing that I'm supposed to do in the future? Like, how is it supposed to look? Like, what what will unfold? How do I get there? Like, you know, this big uh, 30,000 foot view perspective of what it means to know what's happening in the future. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with goals. I, I try to be very specific with goals. I've been trying to write them down and be very, very articulate about them lately. But I think the thing that I realized is um, I can get stuck in the aspirational idea of what could happen in the future if I feel like I'm trying to teleport to that, you know, in just some big grandiose way. But if I could just simply take the next right step, do the next thing that I know is the thing that I'm supposed to do today, that, that responding to the leading of the spirit and what God is saying to me right now, just taking the next right step and not trying to figure out uh, how it all will unfold. But what can I do today to respond to the thing that I know to be true in my heart right now? Like, what is the thing that I cannot help but to live from uh, that is stirring in my heart today? And and when you do that, you begin to see things unfold in ways that you can't even begin to describe. So mm. great awesome. advice, man. Thanks so much Thanks. for spending Thanks, time with us today, CZ. Some major wisdom. I'm jazzed up continue reading the book and uh you guys go grab that book it's it, it's awesome it's already giving to me i know it has to danny as well i'm at rest at this table uh, man this come on out. he's out <laughs> he's out uh again my name's brad stinson our guest was cz uh my co-host danny williamson again start with heart podcast uh hosted by the collective we out <laughs>